Songe Somapete on SAFM. Songs of Freedom. Of course, you all know who that is. I'm not going to bother giving you the name of the artist. That is the song that has been put forward for Going Out On Air by Mr. Mark Haywood, social justice activist, former executive director at Section 27. He's now one of the editors at the Maverick. In fact, he is the editor at Maverick Citizen. Many of us know him as just simply Mark Haywood, the social justice activist. Mark, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Good evening, Songezo. Uh, lovely to see you and hear you again, and beautiful to come in on the back of Bob Marley. Thank you very much. Excellent. Well, you've been a busy person in these days of COVID-19. Just give us a sense, since that you are no longer at the forefront, if you like, of the great work that is continuing to be done at Section 27. What have you been up to lately, specifically the work that you do at Maverick Citizen and some of the work with other projects in relation to responding to COVID-19? Well, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, after leaving Section 27, I, I, I set up uh, Maverick Citizen. And what Maverick Citizen is trying to do is to create a, a newspaper, an online newspaper that tells the stories of ordinary activists who are on the front line of all sorts of struggles for food, around HIV, for healthcare systems, against gender-based violence. And, and Songhez, am I, mm. you know, the kind of, rationale that underlies it is my belief that actually what holds the world together is activism and uh, what makes politics move forward rather than get stuck perpetually is the struggles of, of, of ordinary people. So we want to tell their stories. And I think it's been particularly prevalent in the course of COVID-19. You know, you and I last talked, we had a very deep and long conversation uh, just as we were going into the lockdown yeah. uh, around COVID-19, uh, uh, speculating what it might imply. But since then, I've been out and about uh, writing community stories, particularly looking at the work of activists around food relief, uh, activists around community education about uh, COVID-19. So it's been a very interesting and inspiring journey, which you know, once again has affirmed my belief that actually the real place where we can make progress is at, is at, the, is at the community level. Which is somewhat consistent with the kind of messaging you would have put forward to me when we last had that conversation to which you've just referred. You were not at the time certainly too optimistic that government's response was the response that was necessary. Now that we are slightly cleverer, given the fact that we now know what has happened, we have seen the results and we have seen how other nations have equally fared in their respective responses to COVID-19. We will talk about AIDS in a minute, but I mean, I think this is important to have a discussion just to predicate how South Africa tends to respond to challenges that face us as a people before we can get into the deep conversation about HIV and AIDS. What is your diagnostic, if you like, of South Africa's response? Well, it's not a, not a, an easy one, Songhezo. On the one hand, you know, given that I've traveled through our response to HIV and the years of AIDS denialism, the leadership of President Cyril Ramaphosa has been outstanding. And the signals that have been sent that this is a very, very serious threat to South Africa 
have been all of the right signals. Uh, but on the other hand, I think that uh, some very serious mistakes have been made, and they were the mistakes you and I were talking about. Uh, you know, the lockdown and the way it was implemented with insufficient preparation certainly played an important role in giving us time with this virus, buying a little bit of time with the virus, but it also has been enormously costly uh, to society uh, as a whole, um, not just in livelihoods, but in health systems. And, you know, it's, it's thrown back progress around HIV and tuberculosis. So I still feel that, that we should have taken just, even if it was a few more days, just to make sure that we were able to protect the most vulnerable and to think through just where a lockdown would have the most uh, severe impact on, on ordinary people. So, as you can hear, I, I, I have things that I am positive and which I commend, and there are issues on which I feel we made some very profound mistakes. The profound mistakes, I suppose, they were always going to come simply because we were dealing with a beast as a nation that nobody knew how to deal with. So I suppose it was a case of a decision or no decision and then just bear the consequences either way. Would then have would there have been a material change, say, if the lockdown, as we knew it in the first 21 days, which became 35 days, would a hard lockdown, say, deferred by another two weeks helped? If so, or even another week helped? If so, specifically, delve into where those vulnerabilities were that were not attended to by the lockdown as we have had it. Well, well, let me give you an example. I've spent a few days speaking with uh, children's activists, advocates, and, and mm. children themselves. Nobody thought about the vulnerability, particularly of, of poor children. Uh, when schools were immediately shut, when social services were closed down, when kids couldn't go out of houses. You know, I've been working in Hillbrow with a group called Fight with Insight. You should go and see them sometime, a wonderful youth group that's involved in boxing, young men, young women. And, and, and you know, the, the consequences there were very, very severe. Uh, I, I do think that we didn't learn from HIV so, so we should have done much more, much quickly to mobilize communities, to put communities in the leadership of COVID-19 prevention, rather than just trying to take a, a, an approach like the approach that was taken in China. But as you say, you know, hindsight is, mm. is easy. I don't want to come across as being uh, unfairly critical. It, was a, it still is a great unknown, and I'm thankful uh, that there was political uh, leadership uh, in many respects in, in, in this. Government had an enormously difficult, difficult challenge. I wouldn't want to have been in the president's footsteps or many others' footsteps. So, so uh, uh, as I say, it's a bit, half a dozen of, six of one and half a dozen of another. We've also seen the worst of this government in terms of how those funds quickly disappeared. Exactly. You mentioned how vulnerable communities initially were just even made more vulnerable. And even what government had proposed to be measures to mitigate, if you like, the effects of COVID-19, food parcels, the distribution of infrastructure that had long had a backlog simply now being prioritized, finding its way in the most typical way 
in the spaces of those who didn't need it and those who didn't need it almost always became politically inclined or politically affiliated persons. In other words, we saw rampant corruption, which even Kimi Makwetu, the late, may his soul rest in peace, said all of these COVID funds found their way in a very weak regulatory environment. And I suppose when I say we saw the worst of this country, there was a lot of that and in many respects lends itself to the continued despondency and the fact that people would rather just live their lives and deal with the consequences, if any, of COVID as and when it should find one. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, we made billions of rands available and people stole billions of rands. You know, I've been investigating through Maverick Citizen the building of these ICU hospitals in Gauteng. You know, they've spent two billion rand on these hospitals. None of them are finished, even as you and I are speaking uh, today. Uh, the two billion rand is, is without a plan for staffing, without a plan for equipment. So, so you know, I think we, in the first days of the lockdown, there was a, almost a, a social contract. Everybody was together. We lost the moral high ground. We lost the unity of purpose. And if, if I ask myself now, you know, you see what's happening in a place like Nelson Mandela Bay, mm. uh, where COVID is just going mad again and killing. It's, it's a terrible tragedy. You know, more than 1,700 people have died uh, in the latest wave of COVID-19. But people say that people in communities are just despondent. You know, there's rank, rampant alcoholism, alcohol abuse. It's almost as if people are saying, listen, we've been forgotten anyway. So why should we be be paying attention to these uh, these measures. We don't have food, we don't have jobs, we don't have anything. Which again is why I think that, you know, community mobilization of the type that we'll talk about a little bit le- later mm. is so critical when we face these, uh, these unknowns. And that was something we learned from HIV. A couple of weeks ago, we had a guest who mentioned that there's been a disproportionate amount of resources and attention being paid in the way of the nation's response to COVID-19 and far more critical health challenges in this country. And that lady specifically referred to tuberculosis. And I suppose that dovetails with your preliminary point earlier on saying that the questions of TB have been put on the back burner. And of course, the same is true for HIV and AIDS. I suppose what follows in, what really is the impact of us taking our eye off the ball, how are we then as a nation doing in relation to our continued fight against HIV and AIDS? And I'm asking this question because I do want to bring in the callers to the extent that they will. 011-714-2006, Mark Haywood, social justice activist, will leave it there. What are your thoughts on that? Because we did have a conversation with the CEO of Tembisa Hospital, and I'm going to get my production team to get hold of him as well, just to participate in the conversation you're going to have with Spongil in a minute from now. Mark? Well, we're not doing well. I mean, COVID-19 has thrown back our efforts on HIV. You know, in Gauteng alone, tens of <clears throat> thousands of people have defaulted on treatment. They didn't go and pick up their medicines uh, during the lockdown. TB testing has gone down very significantly, and I'm told that TB positivity has gone up. In fact, Songhezo, there's a, there's a report which government has been sitting on for the last six months, not releasing, which shows that t- rates of TB infection are much higher than was previously thought. And TB kills about 60,000 people a year uh, in South Africa. TB is a completely treatable, mm, completely mm, preventable mm, mm, mm. Uh, disease. It's been treatable for 70 years 
uh, uh, it's not not complex. But but I, I, I'm wary of people who juxta, you know, who, who try to set up a false opposition between HIV and COVID-19 or TB and COVID-19. COVID-19 was a threat. COVID-19 has probably cost, the official figure is 21,000 lives, but the number of ex excess deaths this year on the norm is in the region of 50,000 deaths. That's a lot of death. That's a big threat. My issue is that we needed to be able to find a way to manage COVID and HIV and TB at the same time. And I, I, I don't think that that was beyond us, to be quite honest with you. It goes back to the way we started this conversation with me saying, just perhaps a few more days to think about how were the messages going out? You know, what were the possible unintended consequences of the messages or of the lockdown? How do we mitigate uh, against those? Just a little bit more time to think mm. about uh, about that. Mark, I'm going to be controversial here. You mentioned that President Ramaphosa had done an excellent job. For the most part, everything you have been in conversation with me about is just essentially lamenting the shortcomings of the administration. We saw how some of his ministers were involved in some of this COVID stuff. We saw how some ministers broke regulations. We have seen ineptitude abound between the finance ministry as well as the public enterprises ministry, not lending itself to the nation's anxiety. On top of that, at provincial and at local government level, case in point is the Eastern Cape, how institutional failures over a protracted period of time, when it really was possible for us to see the rot of the province, we saw it in all its glory. How can this administration earn any praise? I do accept, and perhaps I was even one of those who had said in the beginning, we were being led. Ramaphosa and his executive team took a decision, whereas many governments were not taking the decision. They brought us into their confidence. But no sooner had that happened, there was a death of a Collins Corsa at the hands of the security apparatus. Songhezo, you, you sound like Mark Hayward. <laughs> <laughs> that means I'm on the right path. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I can't fault anything that you're saying. Um, but, but, but when I say that, that I think that he did an excellent job, you con I'm contrasting the political leadership, the signals that were sent, say with a Trump or a Boris Johnson, who have, you know, you look at the way uh, COVID-19 has run rampant through the United States because of Donald Trump's denialism. You look at the chaos in the United, United Kingdom. Now, our government is a complex thing. You know, I don't have much faith in it any anymore. And it's quite obvious that Cyril Ramaphosa, even if he has moral political standing himself, is not able to get his uh, 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 ministers and, and provincial MECs to emulate uh, his behavior. And I think that poses a, a, a deeper question for all of us about what we do about a terminally uh, corrupted and decaying government in relation to the crises. You know, COVID-19 has been 2020. We've got climate crisis coming with us. Uh, we possibly have further pandemics, you know. This is a time when we need the best government in the world. So I'm sorry I'm giving you a qualified mm. uh, thing, but, but 
I have to give credit where I think some credit is due, but I think we have to be realistic about the failings as well. And those failings start in many respects in government's messaging, in the fact that government is saying, well, this thing today being put by a particular community within the nation under pressure for whatever reasons, on another day it's going back on its word, and then somebody else cries because they were now arranging their affairs on the first communication. So essentially what you have said to me is you just wish that the president was able to wield a little bit more stick within his party, which would translate to the balance of government and in that way win that bit of favor and or confidence within the community. And that has not happened because you prefaced all of what you said on if. That's a serious qualifier. It is a serious qualifier because, I, like you, I've seen, I've seen what's happening in communities. Uh, you know, I'm seeing still the ignorance about COVID-19, the fear, the myths that still exist, you know, despite the billions and billions of rand that we've thrown at it. When you throw billions of rand at something, you expect to get results uh, if, you're doing it, if you're doing it properly. Let's continue now because we are touched on HIV and AIDS because now it is World AIDS Day today and at least out of platitudes, because this is what we do best in this country. We look at a date, we find something to say about the significance of that date, and the very next day, almost our lives continue as if we were not having the kinds of serious discussions which World AIDS Day really should. You mentioned that in previous administrations there was a great deal of denialism in this country about HIV, almost what we are seeing now about the Bojos and the Donald Trumps on the pandemic that is COVID-19 and the devastation that had had on the country. You know, some reports say that there were some 300,000 deaths in the early part of this century that could have been avoided had there been a proper and early rollout of antiretrovirals. Over the two decades then, because really that is the most relevant period as we talk about HIV and AIDS in this country, what have you seen as one who has operated in that space, particularly among the vulnerable people, that should give South Africans the sense of confidence that at least we have seen the worst, the tide has turned, now these are the small intricacies that remain for us to be able to, in the truest sense, beat it? Well, Songeza, as you know, my guest in a few minutes' time will be Sibongile Shabalala, who's the Treatment Action Campaign's national chairperson. I think she's uh, a better uh, place than me to, to answer those, th- those questions. But what I would say is that, you know, we've come a very, very long way from uh, uh, the early 2000s, President Thabo Mbeki, where we were having to fight for people's rights, access, antiretroviral treatment. Now we have 5 million people uh, on antiretroviral treatment and we're saving uh, a lot of lives. So, so, you know, we're making progress, but the game's not over. The game is not over. Mr. Mark Haywood, social justice activist, former executive director at Section 27, the editor of the Maverick Citizen. The time is indeed 2030. Well then, Mr. Haywood, we have not really invited you here so that you and I can have a conversation. We wanted your skill, your expertise, and your very targeted understanding within the nuances of HIV and AIDS to engage a guest of your choice about a very important conversation, not just in South Africa, frankly, but in global health healthcare and the progress we as the world are making because two decades ago HIV and AIDS meant certainly for the most part a death 
Right now, thankfully, again, that is not the case. In fact, one can live for as long as one would otherwise live with HIV and AIDS. It's a question of management, and that requires some serious state machinery to be at play all at once. You're going to engage, then, your guest on all of these things and more after the break. Everybody, please participate. Johannesburg 714-2006. Mr. Mark Haywood, hashtag Tuesday Takeover.